The Home Show with Sinead Ryan on News Talk. You're listening to The Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, TV presenter, podcaster and designer Brendan Courtney on his stylish home life. Showcase, which is Ireland's International Creative Expo, returns to the RDS in Dublin this weekend. We'll be chatting to its organiser and one of the exhibitors. And home show regular Denise O'Connor from Optimised Design on the seven ways to make savings on your home renovation project without compromising on design. Or on the app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, it's been a cold winter's week in the middle of January, so that means... We are looking for as much comfort as we can find from warming casseroles for dinner to blankets and throws at night and, of course, top telly fair. Now, next week, we are going to have Dermot Bannon in uh, just before the series Room to Improve, which I know everybody is watching, uh, ends. And he will be telling me about his favourite episodes and what's uh, coming up and all of that. Uh, But we'll also be taking a look this week uh, at home renovation projects with Denise O'Connor. So what I'd love to know is if you could get just one one thing done in your home this year, what would it be? Would it be new windows, a lovely landscape garden or maybe a flash and fabulous wet room? Well, I was all set for a revamp uh, inside, had the budget put aside and everything and then a kitchen leak put paid to that dripping water in during the rain. So nobody wants to spend the budget on invisible repairs but sometimes needs must and I'm afraid that is where mine has gone. Uh, but do let me know your fantasy fit out and let me know what plans you may have for your home this year. 53106 uh, to the home show. That'll cost you 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you're very welcome along to the show this morning. Now, my first guest is one half of the uber-talented design duo Lennon-Courtney. He is one of Ireland's most stylish men, television presenter, podcast. Don't be, don't be scoffing at me. I haven't even done your intro yet. <laughs> a podcaster with the Go Loud Network and has recently completed a master's degree in equality, diversity and inclusion. He is a busy man, but he's joining me now and has taken time out to talk all things style, family and the Fair Deal scheme. Welcome, Brendan Courtney to the Thank home Thank you show. so much. Thanks for having me. It's lovely me. to have you here. And um, I know you have been extremely busy. You've been back in college for the last few years. Yeah, uh, And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But many people will remember, first of all, that you filmed a very moving and important series uh, for television in 2017 called We Need to Talk About Dad. Uh, and it was about navigating, um, among other things, the Fair Deal scheme yeah. and care options. And, you know, this is something we have spoken about on the home show because the home comes into it so much and and all of that thing. And we, we've talked about it from a kind of a technical or financial viewpoint. But I think most people would have will have been very struck by your personal navigation through that uh, and how it all happened. And I believe that you've had to look at it again anew. Yeah, yeah. Mom unfortunately took a fall last December, December before last Christmas on the 5th actually and broke her hip coming from work. She's an amazing firecracker and you know, a few people have told me about the fall is a, is a turning point for many older people where they don't come back from that really because of their age. So my mother won't thank me for saying this but she probably won't be listening. So she's in her late 70s and she broke her hip and then got very bad delirium and was in hospital for basically five months. And so we've had to adjust the house, but we've been had time to do it, mom, because it wasn't a stroke. It was a broken hip. She has low level dementia. It's not as critical, 
And so we've put the bathroom downstairs now. We have a Stella stair lift and I have actually got her seven day a week home care, morning, lunch and evening. Plus, thankfully, my brother and his girlfriend are living there temporarily. So there's a bit of a security blanket there. So because we've kind of come through it it, with dad and we made all the mistakes and found all the gaps in the in in the resource we kind of were able to plug those pretty quickly so i i should my sister was saying you should start a consultancy right, to navigate <laughs> that system but i can do I, I understand the system now i see the flaws they're still there by the way but uh, the care we've been able to source from um, intala has been remarkable we're really grateful there has of course been uh, reports of shortages in home care packages and carers available and all that kind of thing. No more so, I suppose, than the nursing homes. We've heard 18 or 20 of them have closed down in recent months because, you know, they say they can't afford with energy price and everything to keep open. Has anything improved in that regard from your perspective? No. <laughs> I mean, that's the short answer uh, as far as I can see. There isn't a political will to fix it. All the usual. I could trot out all the tropes now. about Billion euros a year spent propping up Fair Deal? It, it, it still is not. Fair Deal is being piloted for home care. So Fair Deal was, uh, as I believe, naively and without malice uh, created to allow people to use their home as capital to borrow from the government to source nursing home care. Mm. And when we went to do it with dad, we wanted to bring him home and we couldn't use that loan from the government to source home care. And thousands of families felt the same. And I, I had bags and bags of letters of families come with the frustration where they wanted to bring their loved one home. Their loved one would thrive at home. All the stats are there. I don't have to go into that. Everybody knows that. But the, so the fair deal for home care, which is in a new scheme, uh, home care deal, whatever they're calling it, is be, still being piloted. Mm. It hasn't been open to the public yet. So there are still people being funneled from hospital being called bed blockers in hospitals because there's no space for them in nursing home mm. and there isn't the funds to take them home. There isn't. So Sancha Care proposed right care, right place, right time. And so if Sancha Care was be- being properly developed, we would have care in the community. We would have those regional centres. We would have those. I mean, Sancha Care, the advisory board was disbanded when I was on it la- at the beginning of last year when the two senior people driving forward left. Um, and so it seems to have slipped down between the cracks mm. a little bit. And far bigger issues that would be resolved if Slancha Care was embedded uh, or keep taking over headlines, what you know, beds, whatever, you all keep waiting this, all the things we know about. So really what it comes back to is the, the will to look after older people in their homes and make that a priority and also to start treating home care workers properly. Yeah. You know, in Ireland, you cannot train on the job. You have to go and train somewhere. So you have to take whatever number of weeks it takes to train. In the UK, in France, in Germany, you can train on the job. You know, they're they're not paid very well. They don't get holiday pay. Um, they it, it's not they're not very well looked after. And there's a number of bodies that actually represent home care workers. And what home care workers do, and as we age as a population, we will start to actually really respect what they do. Um, and really value what they do. But that's still to get there. We're starting to value nurses a little bit, but not enough. You know, we're, we're seeing yeah, that healthcare yeah. is actually as, and, as important as education. You know, this is a growing demographic. We have been told, you know, that there's going to be far more people over the age of 65 than under the age of 65, really, in, yeah. in a few short decades. What would you say to people who are navigating this system now? Because you've you've done it, the, you've made all the mistakes, you've done the hard way. Is it just plug on and be persistent or... Like, should there be a one-stop shop for all of this or, or 
what would you hope to see? Yeah, when I mean, it's I mean, your turn or my turn, let's say. Yeah, I suppose it's a standout moment in the documentary where we got somebody from the HSE to come and sit down with me and my mother and my mother and I, she gave me, <laughs> and the application form. And, and actually halfway through, an exasperated representative of the HSE said, I actually don't understand it. Okay. And it was really quite shocking and that she let us use that in the documentary because you know what, As she was there to do her best. She wanted to do her best. She didn't understand it. She wasn't trained properly. She's not an accountant. And and actually, would you believe that was the other part of it? I actually studied accountancy. I'm good with this stuff. I'm good at application forms. I'm good at sourcing arts grants. You know, I'm good at commissions. So it's a very complex system. Okay. And it's it's a... It's all, you know, I think there's also an attitude to moving online and just leaving old people behind. So bank accounts and accessing your tax information, all that kind of stuff is leaving people behind. So I think with Fair Deal, like even there's a big paragraph on the top of the Fair Deal application form and says, you may not... Be, have, you may not be in a position to fill this form on yourself. Please nominate the person and person nominate, please fill in your name and address. So you have to get someone to help you. So I, I think there's, there's still nobody in the community helping people with this scheme. You know, there just isn't, it just isn't there. Well, hopefully um, with the piloting and I, I know the home care package thing has been a big standout um, as you say, not a failing of fair deal, but just something they never got round to. I wouldn't and, be afraid to use you know, failing. That's a failing. Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and, 100%. And, be and it, yeah. hopefully that they will be able to push along because I think a lot of people are at the point now where they can understand the family home and this kind of emotional attachment that we have to passing it on to the next generation. I think people understand, look, this is an asset and I prefer my mum or my dad to get the very best of care, even if it means some of this has to be used Absolutely for it. I'm delighted to give it. I mean, I, yeah. when I first encountered Freddie, I thought, this is brilliant. Mum and dad, you know, the biggest achievement of their lives in my opinion, was that they were mortgage-free by their 60s. Yeah. You know, it was and such a great thing. They educate kids, they move on yeah. and, and this asset then can be, can Look be after them. Yeah. looked after them. All yeah. right, okay. Now, one of the other um, programmes that you present and that I love watching and, and I think it's just, again, the emotional hit of it uh, is Keys to My Life. <laughs> you, you know, so where you, you kind of bring celebrities back to their childhood home and, and look at it. This is perfect for this show, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I actually just realised the tie-ins here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can, you can come and present the home show anytime. <laughs> Hi, Brenton. Um, but but what always strikes me is uh, when I see people walking in to their old childhood home and I have never been back to mine is have that not? No, not the one it's I lived really in until weird. I was 12. It's but really they kind of say something like it's everything's so small it's much smaller. Yeah. Have you gone back to your old school? I went back once. Um, the corridors about seemed lower. Years ago. You feel everything. Like, you feel like Lily Everything giant. was smaller, yeah. and there were no nuns walking around. Yeah. You know, I kept jumping behind, waiting <laughs> on them to come out yeah, from behind yeah. the pillars. Yeah. What do you think it is about that that evokes that memory? Have you been back to your own childhood home? I had a very spooky encounter. I was filming with the brilliant and gorgeous Anya Lawler from yeah. Morning Ireland, yeah. and she's actually an incredible story. She's from Artane, won a scholarship to Trinity, followed in Joe Duffy's footsteps and became the student president of Student Union in the 70s. Like, smart as paint that woman is. And actually made, but very from somewhere, well, lots of, Northside Dublin, Coolock, Artane is a sprawling, one mm. of the first big suburbs mm. built in the 70s, 60s and 70s. And uh, my sat-nav took me down a winding road, round a corner, past a green I recognise, which I haven't been back to since I was eight, since the day we moved out, and right outside my childhood home, which is on a row of about 300 houses. And I was like, Ooh. <laughs> it's the same railing, the same front door, the same twist in the, in the pole at the side of the house that we did when we were kids climbing it, same windows. It was spooky. So I took a picture and I sent it to my two sisters on the family group and they were like, oh my God, get out of there. 
what happened? But what, and tragically, we, there was a lot of tragedy in that house when we were children, and we, you know, we left it and we moved off to the mum and dad bought a house in Kingswood and Tala, and it was a big step up the ladder for them. It was all great, great, great going. But I have never been back to that house, and. I actually sat in the car and I completely welled up. I was completely overrun with emotion. Loads of memories came back. Smells like weird smells, like the smell of warm Weetabix with hot milk. Like that mm. smell of going to school mm. came back my mm. first days of school. So it, it's very emotional to go back because those memories are locked away. They're there, you know, and only sometimes really good therapy unlocks them, you know, or me pushing you through your childhood front door will unlock those memories. And would you have ever been tempted just to knock on the door and say, can I just have a quick look? I... It, it, it gave me a whole new perspective on the show. I was, I'd be terrified to knock on the door. Why? Well, well I think it'd be really weird. Hi, nice <laughs> to live here. <laughs> well, apart from anything else. Well, the, was it, were you, I, I suspect it's, it wasn't just that though. It wasn't the intrusion. There seems to be something that you're yeah, afraid I, to I, see. I don't, yeah, because it was so, so visceral feeling. It was physical. It was in my stomach and my chest tightened. And, you know, it was, you know, when you get nervous, when you get a fright or when you, when you felt like, you know, when you see an ex when you're a teenager, you know, that feeling that takes you over. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. It's physically affecting me. It was physical. It was really emotional. And it just. Uh, but they seem to have been bad memories rather than. Yeah, they were very sad. My two sisters died in that house, uh, oh either gosh. side of me, of cot deaths, and one had pneumonia. And so I don't really remember much of that because I was obviously a toddler. But I do remember that was a house full of sadness, you know, okay. and that came right back to me. And then when we moved out, obviously, and then my, my mum trained as, was a hairdresser and trained as a bereavement counsellor. So, you know, there was some good came from that horrible tragedy and they were only in their 20s. So there was a lot Gosh. of confusion and tragedy in the early 70s in that house. And it must have sat with you, even though you said you were eight when you left, there must have been some essence my of parents, that around you. Because we were very young when they had us. So at the school gates, my parents were always the youngest school, were all the parents at school gates. So they were very liberal and very modern thinking. And so they always spoke about our sisters. They never hid it. They told us about them. In, in, a, in a way, I think that a therapist would tell you to do now. They say, talk about the children, don't leave a cloud around them. So we would pray to Orla and Ashley when we'd lose our toys or pray to Orla and Ashley when it was coming to your birthday and you wanted a bike, you know. So Orla and Ashley were always in part of the family. And But there was, a my, you know, on their birthdays, on, and Ashley's twin, Deborah, is my other sister who's married with children now. And on Deborah's birthday, it was a very weird, melancholy day because the, my, my mother would never say it, but we knew there should have been two on her birthday. Yeah. So it was a very sad little, but we had amazing childhood like that. We, it wasn't was encumbered in that, but that core element of that house, I knew, we knew my mother in her, you know, early 20s, early 30s couldn't wait to leave that house. She wanted to be gone. Mm. And so when we mm. moved to the new house, there was, an, the curtains lifted and the wind, light came in and there was a whole, a new life for us. We never looked Hopefulness back. Of, so I'd never been future. back to that house. And we had an aunt that lived nearby there, but we never drove by it. We yeah. never. In fact, my dad would drive the long way around to my aunt's rather than drive by that house. So they never wanted to go back. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Your mum's an extraordinary woman. And she is, yeah. I and remember her. That says, Nula. Fine. How's your mum? Fine. How's your mum? Fine. How's your mum? Fine. <laughs> See, isn't it interesting though, the impact the the effect that she had on audiences, even though the show was about you and yeah. your dad, yeah. it was actually your mom who shone through with her. Oh, she was she's so beautiful, of course, but also her strength and her. She's her funny, yeah. She's a car. Like, she's a real. She's got. She's very charismatic. Yeah. The camera loves her, obviously. <laughs> um, and you know, imagine growing up in, under that. <laughs> she's like growing up with Joan Crawford. Well, I know where nice. you got where you got all the style from. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's now you know clear your path. That she you doesn't took. mind, but it used to irritate Dad. They'd be shopping in in Duns in the Square or somewhere, you know, and someone yeah. would come up to them and say, oh, "Saw you on the telly." And does he dress you? 
<laughs> undress you and she'd say yes he does but of course she's very stylish my mum was a hairdresser you know yeah. in fact I'm writing the book of her life at the moment and are you? I am yeah okay. uh, well it's actually the history of Irish women's reproductive rights told through her eyes called Mammy Issues it's amazing but she had quit her good job of five pound a week and wrote to stores and went and worked in uh, hair fashions up on Harcourt Street in the 60s yeah. for like a pound a week to train as a hairdresser but she was instantly surrounded by glamour and hair and rich women from the south side and blah 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 so, so picked up all the picked tips up all the glamour and, oh, yeah okay. so very very always very glamorous yeah, made yeah. all her own clothes as well interestingly yeah. but I, I I get on stage now and I'm doing any gig around it could be a charity fashion show or it could be a talk and I say before I start mum's great <laughs> How's your mother? How's your mother? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See? Yeah. Maybe maybe it's your mom should be presenting the yeah, show. Yeah, oh, she'd be well up for it now. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, I mean, you know, obviously then there was, uh, you know, clearly uh, you didn't lick it off the ground, oh, as they yeah. say. And, and the kind of the style has dominated your life then in different yeah. ways since then. Um, so, look, it's the home show. I have to ask you, do you have the most fabulous house? I have a very... Uh, probably everybody says this, but I, I have a very uh, mixed taste or ecle- I don't like saying eclectic. It's such an annoying word, isn't it? Uh, in that I had a best friend, Alan Duffy, who got, uh, lots of people listening will remember Alan. He was the maitre d' of the unicorn. Mm. Amazing guy. And he sadly passed away tragically very suddenly with a brain aneurysm five years ago, just uh, weeks before my dad died. That was a brilliant year. Oh and uh, Alan was my style I suppose from Interior's point of view he was very opinionated like you'd go out to the shops and you'd come back and he'd rearrange all your artwork like <laughs> he's very specific but he was brilliant so he really influenced me in time you know in that I would always I'm the kind of person who'd be in New York now and I'd buy a little a little knickknack you know I yeah. bought this plastic 1950s it's like two Ten centimeters by five centimeters, so it's a little square piece of plastic. But it's a 1950s television, and the two dials you turn them, and a salt and pepper pops up out of it. And it was one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> oh, it was one hundred and fifty dollars. Out of my partner was like, "What?" what? <laughs> but it's made in the sixties, and it's one of my prized possessions. It's a little tiny thing, and then I so I have lots of little gorgeous quirk things. Of, a quirk I collect, of humour. I collect cushion covers. <laughs> cushion covers? Yeah. And do you have just the covers or do you have cushions all over the place? Vietnam or if I'm in Thailand yeah. or if I'm in yeah. Florida I'll just, just your a little thing. keepsake I'll have a little cushion cover and just flatten, flatten it down. Some people have magnets you bring yeah, home with cushion cover. Yeah. Uh, what's your favourite piece of furniture Brendan? A shelf that Alan made me put up in the kitchen. So he he was like, "Yeah, oh, they're awful, 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 awful." And he said, "Take down all those top cupboards, all the you know the presses as we call them here, yeah. all across the top of the kitchen." Yeah, and it was genius because I just took down all the top cupboards, recovered the front cupboards, put a nice countertop on, and then put a, a five inch oak shelf right the way along the back wall which is very trendy now I just think. open shelving is all the rage open shelving yeah. I have that years I have that 10 years and it forces you to be tidy and as well Well, I have it's kind of cluttered but I don't mind that you know yeah. it's kind of living and life um, my house only, the only thing that annoys me at the house is it's a bit of a showroom I'm a bit of a clean freak I'm a bit like I walk into the living room this morning so just look at anybody who lives here because I go to bed at night and I clean before I go to bed yeah I just a bit like that, a bit ordered. And some people like to kind of keep something in their house. Now, I know like lots of successful people have kind of a gallery wall of look at me with this person and this person and oh, this no, person. Oh no, God, I hate that. But you have a statue of yourself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Look at me giving out about the vanity of it all. It was a 3D. It blew my mind. I went to a fashion show and a friend of mine was running this fashion show in London and it was at the, the, the start of 3D printing. So it was ten, eight years ago, 10 years ago. And this very expensive high-end fashion show who should remain nameless obviously spent a fortune and they had 180 cameras in a room pretty the same size as the studio we're in. So the cameras were everywhere, all over the place. Yeah. And you just stood there for a minute and all the cameras took a picture and then it 3D printed a statue of you which is about the same size as an action man or Cindy Barbie doll. So it's that height and it's mounted and they sent it to me. So I put it in a glass dome because I think it's funny. Of course you did. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And uh, every time people come to the house my Adam goes look at he has a statue of himself in the corner. Now it's a tiny statue but it's cute. How could you miss it? Yeah, no, <laughs> Everybody should have one statue of yourself, just in case you forget who you are. Yeah, right. Okay. Wonderful. Fantastic. OK, so the shelf and the 3D Brendan Barbie doll. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, and anything else that's yeah. a, that other people might consider a little bit eclectic. I have a pink Perspex box, which is about eight inches high. And it's a box and about four inches wide. So it's a rectangular box, if you imagine. It sits on its rectangular side and it is actually a, it's pink perspex. You can see the workings through the plastic and it is a clock that projects onto the wall. And I bought it about 25 years ago in Habitat with Alan, actually. He bought one as well. And they were £25 and that everybody admires it. It's just this little uh, clock. You just flick, flick the switch on and it projects onto the wall and it's stunning. It's so cute. I'd love to make one myself. It must be really easy to make. Fantastic. All right. Well, it does sound like now we all want to pay a visit to Brendan Courtney's house. Well, you, can on my, you can actually pay a visit on my Instagram. When I started the series of Keys to My Life, so it's way down in the in the reels on Instagram. Yeah. I thought, as a, obviously as a bit of promo to get the series started. So it's, we're, in, we're going into series four. So it's three series ago. So how long ago was that? And it's before COVID, obviously. And I just said to people, do you want to see around my house? So I did an Instagram tour of my oh, house. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. So okay. So we can have a look at it. Yeah. And the, that Instagram? At Brendan Courtney. At Brendan Courtney. Courtney, all right, well, people can go and have a look at that. And of course, you have uh, the podcast, yes. um, which is runs on the Go Loud Network. Remind our listeners about it's that. the Lennon Courtney podcast. And this year, we're going to answer difficult questions. It's called Helpful Hints for Modern Living. And it's really all about equality, diversity and inclusion in the home, in the schoolyard, in the workplace, socially, how, like why use pronouns? What can I say? What can I not say? So we've got loads of letters in yeah. from people. So we're asking people if they want any tricky, modern conundrums answered. We've both just done the Masters in Equality, Diversity, Inclusion. We really want to talk about it. Yeah. So ask us any questions at Lennon Courtney for on Instagram. Brilliant. And we had Sonia on actually a few weeks ago uh, talking about her fantastic charity, The Work Equal, yes. uh, where they're helping women to get back to work. And uh, she, she was super on that. So uh, do check that out, folks, if you want. Uh, and have a listen to it. Brendan Courtney, thank you so much for joining us thank on you. the it's home been a show uh, this morning. It's been a delight talking yeah, you with too. you. Thank and you the best so of luck with everything that you're doing, including the book. So let us know when, when that gets published. If you'd like to get in touch with us today, you can text us at 53106 for 30 cent or you can email the show at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. Now, founded in 1976 by the Design and Crafts Council of Ireland, Showcase, which is Ireland's International Creative Expo, starts back at the RDS from tomorrow uh, through to next Tuesday. So I'm delighted to be joined now by the chair of Showcase, Mary Palmer, and by Emmett Bosnay, creator and founder of Copper Creations, who is exhibiting at that. You're both very welcome along to the home show. Mary, let me start with you. Uh, it's been going an awful long time. How long, you know, tell, tell me about the origins of Showcase. Well, this is the 48th year and um, started quite a, as quite a, a small show. 
and it has grown from that. This year, it's not as quite as large as it was at its peak, which was, I think, 2019, but we have over 380 exhibitors. So it's it's quite a big show. Mm. And um, it's the one of the biggest trade shows in Ireland, and it highlights or focuses on um, Irish makers, Irish businesses, as well as a few international businesses. Yeah. And do you find that um, in terms of trade shows, exhibiting Irish products for export, like are, are buyers abroad very interested in, like we've such a great a tradition of artisan creators and crafters and artists and all that. Is there a particular interest in, in Irish art? Always, always. There's always an interest, particularly coming from the US and the UK. Mm. Um, the the numbers are possibly down a little bit in the U.S., but I think the markets are a bit funny in the U.S. at the moment. But U.K. numbers are up. We also have visitors from France and Germany and Japan. Well, one of the exhibitors that they will all be coming to see is Emmet. Uh, now, Emmet, you're the founder of Copper Creations. And like the name suggests, uh, of course, you do all things copper and urban design and all of that. It's beautiful stuff. I mean, that whole um, look is really on trend right at the moment. Um, but it's also very sustainable and that's a very important part of your business. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, thanks so much. And um, yeah, it's, 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 I suppose sustainability is, is, is an ethos of Copper Creation. It's, it's why I started it. Um, what I do is I use reclaimed and recycled materials. So I'll take old offcuts from the heating and plumbing industry and the industrial industry of copper piping, brass fittings, different pieces and trying to create new interesting homewares products. So at the moment I have a new collection called the Tesla Collection. It's a, a range of table lamps and floor lamps. There's five um, table lamps and six floor lamps. And yeah, it's, 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 I suppose the sustainability is, is where I'm coming from with and trying to create something new from something old. I presume um, that was named after Nikolai Tesla and not Elon Musk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah, the, I've always been fascinated with, with Nikola Tesla since a young child. Um, there's such an amazing amount of inventions. Where we are today, radio wouldn't be possible without mm. him. He was one of the, the forebearers of, of, of inventing the technology behind radio and signal transmission. So yeah, uh, it's an interesting uh, uh, story as to where the collection came from um, I met a astrophysicist in the summer uh, called Mark Langtree who has um, one of the only large scale Tesla coils in Ireland um, so basically a Tesla coil takes uh, low current um, electricity and turns it into really high voltage which creates beautiful arcs of lightning um, so we went down to his lab and he wanted to show me it and to say my mind was blown was an understatement but from that point I took inspiration from the arcs of lightning and tried to bend and form the copper pipes into the shapes that I seen and make lamps out of it. So, and make art yeah. out of it. Does it help? That I know you have an engineering background, you mm -hmm. trained as an engineer. Yeah. Uh, how does that inform 
the work that you do now, which is very creative. And, and you yes. know, I know engineering, people think of, you know, as a very serious topic and, and people are solving, to the, you know, kind of practical issues. But actually it is, there's a lot of design in it. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I struggle with a lot is people say, oh, you're so artistic. You're so, where did you train? You know, and I'm like, I'm not <laughs> classically trained artist. They were expecting National College of Art and Design. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would love to say yeah. I have, but no, it's a, a degree in engineering. Um, but yeah, it's, as you said, it, engineering is very creative. You've got to think about everything, how things go together. And, you know, you've a, you've a different type of a brain, but it's still creative in its own right. Um, I'd be very methodical, very mathematical. So a lot of the designs would be structural, geometric, symmetry, that kind of thing. Um, rather, I, you know, I'm not, I would never call myself an artist. I'm more of a an engineer that's sort of fallen into this creativity and just, you know, if I could get all the ideas in my head down on paper, mm. I'd have a million different things, but um, it's it's coming to blend the two. So, you know. So when it comes to showcasing at something like this, mm. where you're looking at buyers, maybe trade buyers who mightn't, you know, they'd have a kind of harder nose to, to the cost and the profit margins and will it sell in my shop or in my home country or whatever. What kind of questions do you think that they'd have for you? What what do they want to know about what it is that you do? Yeah, they're, they're over the last few years. So this is my fourth year exhibiting physically at Showcase. And we did one virtually during, during the pandemic. So what I've noticed from maybe back in 2019 to now is that the buyers are, are much more um, astute in terms of what it, the item you're selling is where it was made, who made it, where the materials came from. Um, there's a, a traceability there and they're more conscious to to what they're buying and selling than they were a few years ago, which is great to see. Um, and that's because presumably because their customers are saying, hold on, what's the provenance for this? Is it sustainable? Where did it come from? I don't want to be, you know, maybe buying anything that's fast fashion. Yes, exactly. And the, their customers are, are coming in and saying the same thing to them so they're just translating back to the designers and the makers and the creators um, which is really circular and it's great to see sustainability not anymore in my opinion being a buzzword you know for the last few years it was kind of like oh yeah sustainability it's like you know buzzword I think it's more of an ethos now and it's it's more ingrained into people and you know everyone is um, more conscious of what they're buying where it's coming from um, and trying to reduce mass consumption mm. and mm. buying more um, curated kind of products and stuff as well. Mary, do you find that when it comes to the exhibitors that are going to be here, that sustainability and that push for um, reusing and recycling is is a much bigger theme than maybe it was in years absolutely, gone by? Absolutely, absolutely. As it is within the organisation, within the Design and Crafts Council and within Showcase Ireland, it's, um, it is hugely important uh, from everything down to, as you say, the the um, the sourcing and the packaging and how it's delivered and trying to do things in the most considered way possible. Mm. So it is of huge importance and value to, I think, to everyone at this stage. Yeah, and it's become, it's it's a lot less fashion and now necessary people expect it. I think so. I think so. More and more. I suppose there's still some who don't really take much notice, but I think most people think about it a bit. Yeah. Even if it's not at their forefront, they're still aware of it and they might look at something and say, this is nice, there's not a lot of packaging. So they don't want to see excessive packaging. They don't want to see something that's quite small in a huge box. 
So, yeah. And with all the bubble wrap and the, yeah. the patchy, yeah. it drives me potty when I Absolutely. see that actually for yeah. something that you kind of think could have been just yeah. packaged much more simply. Um, what are the most popular kinds of um, things that we we export from after an exhibition like this? Is it is it art? Is it painting? Is it? I think it's. Like, I think there's a lot of knitwear. Um, there's a lot of textiles. There are um, homewares such as candles and soaps and um, skincare products and as well as homeware items such as emmets, furnishings, mm. lamps, um, those types of products. Yeah, people love that because we're good at that, aren't we? We are and it's quite a breadth. It's actually quite an amazing breadth. Yeah. I mean, there's there's giftware, homeware, wellness, jewellery. Jewellery is another huge exporter. Mm. And um, and quite a range within each of those as well. Different styles, different approaches. Some are doing very traditional work. Some are doing really contemporary work. Some do a bit of both, which is also Cap- nice to see. Capturing all the audiences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the kind of the Americans after the outside. <laughs> yes. And then the really, the really uh, punchy stuff. Um, Emmett, when it comes to this showcase, now this isn't just kind of you standing behind a counter like saying, look at my stuff. You, this is a proper selling job for you is it oh yeah absolutely um i it's it's interesting to look at the journey i've gone on from you know starting in 2019 i've i you know had very little information myself i was overly confident probably and you know booked a stall and i was kind of out at the end i booked Mm -hmm. it too late and i was like buy all the christmas decorations and stuff like that so um i've learned so much and from connecting with the design and crafts council of ireland and the local enterprise offices and i receiving kind of training from them yeah um it has pushed me each year to progress so i'm really excited about looking this to sell out <laughs> yeah well hopefully and uh, i've got a good display plan so if you're around please pop down and come and say hi all right uh will indeed and of course um emma can be found on copper creations with a k and a k um and you can check out his stuff there and finally mary just give us the the times running from uh, tomorrow sunday through to tuesday is that right yes okay and, and can can anybody go? No, it is trade show. Trade show. Okay. So it is only for for businesses. Okay. Now you we wouldn't necessarily have to be a retail shop. You could be a boutique or you could be a um, a salon that yeah. you'd be selling product as well. But you do have to be a business. Well, we know that an awful lot of them do listen to the home show and people who are looking for inspo maybe for coming up trends and things to stock uh, this year and next year. So I would say if you're not a retailer, you can still go to the website and look at who is making what. Okay. which can be interesting. Where can people find that? It's um, showcaseireland.ie. Okay, and then the Instagram is at showcase underscore Ireland. Uh, Mary Palmer, Chair of Showcase and Emmet Bossonet uh, of Copper Creations. Thanks a million for joining us on The Home Show. Thank, Thank you. you. This is the Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. I am delighted uh, to welcome back Denise O'Connor from Optimise Design into the studio. Uh, is it too late to say Happy New Year, Denise? No, I think it's too late. Okay. <laughs> is it okay? okay. Happy New Year, now look, whether you're building a new house or renovating your existing home, trying to stay on budget without cutting corners can be a challenge. Um, Denise, you put up an Instagram post uh, on your Instagram uh, site, Optimise Design. Yeah which talked about different ways that you can cut back on the budget without cutting back on style. So we said we'd have you on to chat through a few of them. Now, we're not going to, we are stylish people on the home show. We're not going to kind of cut back on everything. So give us an idea of the kind of things we can do 
for larger home projects. Sure. Well, I think, yeah, it's such a challenge for people because when you approach any kind of redesign, home design project, you're going to have your wish list and then there's the budget. And it can be really hard to reconcile both of those. But the good news is there are ways to to compromise without compromising on that overall vision, the overall style and the design that you're looking to achieve. So one of those, one of the best ways is to try and avoid anything that's non-standard, particularly something like glazing. So if you go for a bespoke glazing or um, some sort of, say, sliding door that's way taller than something that's off the shelf, there's going to be a significant cost implication for that. Um, so going with the standard glazing options, definitely that's going to make a massive impact. Because they're off, they're off the peg kind of thing. They're off the peg. Yeah. Now, yeah. sometimes you can't avoid that if you happen to live in a funny shaped house. Or, you exactly. Know, but, like, but, but you're saying don't go for the bespoke stuff if there's an alternative that you can just say can standard. Exactly. Okay. Or even like choosing your frames. You know, you'll find they have standard frames rather than trying to customise or... Colours are another example. Some will be standard, others are off standard. So try and stick within the standard ranges where it's all possible. Okay, and there's so much choice now between windows and doors and all that, that that people can do that. Okay, brilliant. Now, of course, one of the features people love in the house, I'd love one myself, don't have one, is uh, the wet room. Are they still a thing? Yeah, really, really popular. Um, I think that sort of clean look, the flush floor is super popular, but it is a trickier detail to fit, to install. You need somebody who's very experienced. There are some fabulous products on the market now that make that easier, but they are more expensive. So a really good alternative is to go with a low profile shower tray. So they're amazing now. They come in different colours as well, so they can blend in with your tiles. They're much easier to fit. So your installation cost would be lower and the cost of the product itself is lower, plus less likely to get issues with leaks because, you know, you need a very experienced tradesperson if they're going to be fitting small tiles and that sort of wet room floor in your house. OK, so it's the kind of the appearance of a wet room exactly. and everything on the level. Yeah, it's not really. Yeah, yeah. OK, good tip. All right. Anything else? And the other one, which is a really simple one, is to go for standard white sockets, um, light fittings and (laughs) you're making a face, Sinead. But I know it sounds really kind of boring and not as nice as the chrome or the metal versions. The thing about them are, though, they just disappear. So if you think about your ceiling, you know, if you've got white light fittings in your ceiling, they're going to disappear. They're not going to stand out. So it can actually look less cluttered. It is a lot less expensive. So you um, mean your your kind of eye passes over them? Exactly. You just don't notice them. Yeah. OK. Yeah. All right. And again, remember that particularly, say, your sockets and switches, those are things you can fit at a later date. So if budget really is an issue... Think about just installing the white ones as a stopgap and then you can come back oh, in right, time okay. and yeah, okay. dress they're, it up. They're ferociously expensive, they're those chrome and brushed steel and exactly. all that. Exactly. And especially if you go into them, the brass, the, you know, the antique bronze, all of these, they're very expensive. And especially if you're getting them for all the plugs because, not even the light fittings, because you have so many. Absolutely. Yeah. Or another tip is to pick one room. So maybe it's your open plan space and... You know, splash out there, but keep everything else nice and simple. Okay, all right. Fantastic idea. Okay, I know people are feeling, oh, already I'm compromising. (laughs) But no, I think that idea of doing it piecemeal, don't get, you know, if your budget doesn't stretch this time, maybe that's next year's project. Exactly. Okay, right. Uh, Now, when it comes to the roof, and I speak from experience here, uh, Mm. you have to be really careful about what you get and how you do it and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. 
it's expensive anyway. So, so what are your tips for keeping that cost low? I think it's just look at the materials you're using. And often there are alternatives to the more expensive ones. A classic one is the metal roof. So like zinc, which is so popular at the moment, you'd see it on dormer um, extension roofs, flat roofs, that sort of thing. Fiberglass is a brilliant option. So, you know, that can be... Um, really? Come, yeah, so they can okay. they can um, finish that to paint it in any any colour. So it can actually look, give the appearance of a, of a metal roof, say if they trim the top with an aluminium capping. You can achieve a similar look for a much less cost. So really worth having a good discussion with your architect, your builder, understanding, look, where are the options here? What are the options? How can I achieve a similar look, but pull back on the cost? OK, good yeah. idea. Fiberglass. I wouldn't have thought that for the roof yeah. now, but obviously, and it's an insulation as well. So exactly. It yeah. should work. OK. Yeah. And then finally, a, a tip on, you know, it's not a saving to get a cheap builder sometimes. Yeah, this is really important. And it, it, it goes across the board for all the trades. Don't just be, you know, it's very tempting to try and just jump in and go with the lowest price. It's not always the best solution. So really research the people that you're working with. I mean, poor workmanship is something that is going to cost you a fortune down the line, particularly when it comes to plumbing, anything like that. So research your tradespeople, get references where possible. And yeah, be very careful about who you decide to work with. Yeah, because it's no saving if you have to pay twice. Absolutely not. Yeah. All right, Denise yeah. O'Connor, thank you so much for bringing us those actually very practical tips now for anybody who is planning home renovations for 2023. Uh, just remind us where people can find out more about you. So Optimised Design is the company and then you can check out our Instagram um, account. There's loads of home tips on Optimise Home. Uh, on Instagram. Of course so there out. are and you yeah. do all your videos and people love checking them out. All right. Well, Denise O'Connor, thanks a million for joining us again on The Home Show this week. My pleasure. Thanks, Shane. And that is all we've time for, folks, I'm afraid. If you'd like to get involved in the show, if you have a question for me or for, more importantly, for any of our guests or a topic you'd like us to cover on The Home Show that relates to you, please get in touch. We are always open to hearing from listeners, uh, whether it is by text on 53106 or by email at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. Uh, I'm over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. I know a lot of people like to get in touch with me there. Uh, I'll do my best. I'll certainly pass it along to the experts put it that way The Home Show with Sinead Ryan Saturday morning at 8 on News Talk